I have two podcasts since 2018. I'm a podcaster now. I could put that in like my Twitter bio. You could. Podcaster. You're a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. That's literally what you do. I'm glad I don't refer to myself as a podcaster in everyday life, though. I can have little asides like this where I go, you know, I am a podcaster, aren't I? But I'm glad I don't go like, yeah, I'm a podcaster. I have podcasts. I do podcasts. Episode three. Third episode. You know what third episode means? Sex. Which works out, because that's what the song we're talking about today is kind of about. That is what we're talking about today. Welcome to One Hit Wonders of the World. I am Max and Stenstrom. I'm Trevor Ickrath. Today. We're together again. We're, we're, we're back. We're together back together again. both in LA. We're in your room. I'm so glad we're in my room. I rearranged my room. New year, new me. New or space. Something. New space. New space. Same shitty XLR cables. Yep. It's hard making a podcast. It's hard making a podcast. And we're here to talk about um, Ring My Bell by Anita Ward. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like... Can we talk about that noise? Is that the first thing you want to talk about? You want to straight out the gate? Let's talk about the... It's the first thing in the song, isn't it? It is. And it's every four bars. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, for every four bars for eight minutes thereafter. It's a lot. It's a lot of boom. Yeah. Yep. And you don't like it? I like it. It gets. A, it doesn't need to be every four bars. <laughs> Maybe every sixteen bars. You know. I feel that. That'd be cool. I think this is kind of an inarguable disco classic. I wouldn't argue with that. I couldn't tell you where I first heard this. IMDb tells me it was an episode of a show I loved as a kid, Cold Case, and a movie my dad loved, The Book of Eli, but I honestly barely remember either. Uh, I, I vaguely remember my mom singing it at some point during my childhood. Don't know. Do you remember where you first heard it? No, I actually can't tell you anywhere where I would have heard it. In fact, I don't even hear that. I feel like I never even hear this song on the radio that much. Yeah? Like, it took me a second to remember what song this was when you told me we were going to be covering it. That's crazy because this was a number one hit. It's never been a big part of my experience being alive and being subjected to media Interesting. in day-to-day it, life. In a way that you feel the other two kind of have? Yeah, like, I hear those other two songs everywhere. Like I saw, um, I saw I Tanya a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and guess who popped up in that one? Norman yeah, Greenbaum was back. Spirit in the Skies showed up, but not Ring My Bell. No, I, I don't feel like I see this one a lot. But I knew it. Of course, I knew it yes. because it is a big hit. Yes, it's on the radio. Maybe I don't listen to the right radio stations. I don't listen to the radio at all anymore. But you know, I didn't listen. I guess I didn't listen to a lot of like R and B and soul radio growing up. You know where I heard this? We had a radio station back in Charleston called Chuck FM, which was just this kind of anything goes variety station. I could have swore I heard it there once or twice. Yeah, no, no big memories attached to this one. But I like it. What I decided to do for this one, since you know, I didn't have a lot of. I didn't have the same kind of like feelings about it as I had about our previous two songs. I kind of decided to approach it as almost like a found object from the time period. You know what I mean? A little bit. And that's crazy because this is the first number one we've talked about on the podcast. Oh, interesting. Norman was a three and No Rain was a 20. I can see why this song was more popular than either of those two songs. I mean, yeah, totally. You want to get into the backstory of Anita Ward and learn a little more about her real quick? Yeah, because I have no idea about anything regarding the backstory of this song. All right, cool. So... Anita was born on December 20th, 1957 in Memphis, Tennessee. She developed an interest in music, particularly gospel music, at an early age. Both her mother and her father used to sing, and her brother used to sing and play the drums as well. 
so she comes from a very musical background. In an interview, a long interview I found online, she says, I was two years old and my grandmother was bringing me back from Arizona to Memphis. She told my parents that the people on the train called me their little mockingbird because I sang all the way. That's cute. Discussion question for you, Trevor. If you could go back in time to your childhood and raise yourself to be incredible at one thing and subsequently devote your entire life to it, what would it be? I have like two choices for this one. Uh, I really wish I was like good at drawing. Oh, that would be fun. Right now, I'd love to be a like Tumblr famous fan artist, <laughs> sure. you know, and just have like tons of followers. And I would want to leverage it into like getting a job at like Cartoon Network or something. I think oh, that'd be yeah. really neat. Oh, I mean, you want to be Emmy Cicerega? Something like that. Yeah, yeah totally. Or like uh, Rebecca Sugar or something sure, like that. Yeah, totally. Um, either that, or I would want to be like really, really good at lacrosse. And kind of be like a tortured, like David Foster Wallace esque star teen lacrosse player. What um, about you? I would love to get good at acting because I never thought I, I, I don't think I'm a good actor. I feel like I'm a terrible actor. Every time I've tried to act in my whole life, like in like plays and stuff, it's never gone well. I'm not a good actor. You've never been able to go deep into that place inside of yourself and pull forward the emotions you I need to guess really not. flesh like, out a role. I've tried to, but it's just it's just not my thing. I just I don't get cast in, in, in roles I think are interesting. I can't really devote myself. And like I always found the the people who were doing the play just wanted more out of me that I guess I couldn't give. I don't know. I would love to go back in time and make myself good at acting. That would be really cool. Anita would go on to uh, sing with the Rust College a cappella choir, but after her graduation, she didn't really set out to pursue a career in music. Uh, instead, she became a substitute teacher in the Memphis Elementary School System. In this long interview I found, she said, so how it actually started is my former manager at that time was always taking me to different studios trying to get a contract for me. I got bored once and asked him, what can I do while we were waiting to see what was going to happen with the first record? And he suggested that she, quote unquote, try some teaching. She said, that's the way the music life is, you know, it's got its ups and downs. So eventually I did become a full-time teacher because, you know, with the music business only, you could starve if you don't do something else. That's cool. That's good for her. Teaching is hard work. I did it for like a year. You think teaching is easier than being in the music industry? No, I think it's harder. My mentor once told me that the only job that required you to make more split-second decisions per day mm -hmm. than being a teacher was being an air traffic controller. It's tough. Being a teacher is hard, especially when you're like doing high school like I was. It's rewarding, oh, yeah. though. Oh, yeah. you taught high school? I taught high school for like a year. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're like sentient. Yeah, they're actual people. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to teachers. Good job, you guys. You don't get enough anything. So she spent a while teaching, but it wasn't long before she realized that music was like too much part of her life to ignore. And her manager put her in contact with singer-songwriter Frederick Knight, who had scored a substantial hit in the summer of 1972 with I've Been Lonely for So Long. Knight signed on to help produce a three-song demo session for her, but uh, once the tape was rolling, he became so taken with her singing ability that these sessions soon ended up producing a whole album's worth of material. And this is where we get into What, what went, went right. right. Good for you, Anita. It's the golden years right now. Let's do it. So after listening to what they'd recorded together, they both agreed that they were still one song short which resulted in Frederick taking up an old track titled Ring My Bell, which he had originally penned for a younger singer, Stacy Ladisaw, who would later score some hits in the early 80s. Conveniently, Ladisaw had just signed to another label, so Ward was asked to sing it instead. Stacy Ladisaw, at the time the song was written for, was 12 years old, so the song's original lyrics dealt with teens chatting away on the phone. And, uh... 
Even though Frederick Knight gave the track a quick lyrical overhaul, Anita was less than enthusiastic about it. She disliked it and only recorded as Frederick Knight insisted that they needed another dance number on the album. How wrong she would be. But like, it's interesting that this song is born of record label fuckery. A little bit, yeah. You know? How many great singles have been, you know? Makes you wonder. Like all those big Eminem singles, like Real Slim Shady, that was just mm. because the record label was like, you need to write a hit single like my name is that we can put on the radio or else we're not going to let you do this big album about like murdering your wife. Does it tarnish your feelings about this song at all? No. No? You no. don't really care? Not really. Yeah. I feel that. Sometimes record label fuckery is a good thing, you know? In I mean, what, all right. In what instances is it a good thing? Uh, well, I really like the band Blur, right? I know you like the band Blur. Do you know what they were called before the record label was like, you need to change your name? I actually don't know. Seymour. Ugh. Yeah. Radiohead were also called On a Friday before the record label was like, you need to change your name. So there was something about like 90s British rock bands where they just could not figure out how to name themselves correctly. On a Friday isn't as bad as Seymour. Right, but it's not Radiohead. Like, Radiohead is an yeah. excellent name for that band. Yeah. On a Friday is not. Some technical information about the song. The song required three studios, four engineers, two remixers, and a midnight mix by Richie Rivera, as well as the production and backing vocals of Frederick Knight to produce its sound. Gotta get that midnight mix by Rich. That gotta get that midnight mix by Richie Rivera. How many songs wouldn't we have without a midnight rich by midnight <laughs> mix by? Too. <laughs> say that to, say that five times fast. Midnight mix by Richie Rivera. Midnight mix by Rich. Yeah. Midnight rich. How many songs would we just not have without a midnight mix by Richie Rivera? Midnight mix by Richie Rivera. Midnight mix by Richie Rivera. Midnight mix by Richie Rivera. Does Frederick Mid- Knight do backing vocals on this song? Yes. I thought those were all female backing vocals. Right. You would mistake. They're kind of my favorite part of the song. They almost steal the show, right? Dude, wait until we get to my attributes. Oh, later. good. Okay, because yeah. they're they're in mine too. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's Frederick Knight. That is not Anita Ward. I mean, I thought they were just like nameless background female singers, but nope. I guess he's in there too. Weird. I mean, who knows? It might be too. I mean, it seems like it seems like there was a lot of production involved in mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. So this all resulted in Anita getting a recording contract with the TK Disco affiliated. Wana record label, who uh, released her debut album, Songs of Love, in 1979. And after that, it didn't take long for Ring My Bell to scale the charts. That summer, it topped Billboard's Hot 100 and remained on that chart for five months. Five months quite, at quite a while. number one. Imagine listening to this song for five months. I can imagine this being that one song on the radio that just won't go Definitely. away. Definitely. This is like 1979's Trap Queen. Little bit. Yeah. Little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the lyric, you can ring my bell, was seen as sexually suggested according to a book called The Slanguage of Sex from 1984. In it, it says, you can ring my bell anytime you want to will be regarded as a come on phrase in the U.S. if used by a female. And songs like Ring My Bell cause scarcely a raised eyebrow in the 70s. It definitely does feel like a big wink, does it? The entire song is about this woman's husband coming home and like they're tired after hard day work. And she's like, let me put the dishes away. I didn't talk about that lyric. I kind of hate that lyric. Well, one. Like, sit back and relax while I put away the dishes. What don't you like about it? Too gendery? Yes! Yeah. Yes! That's yeah. what I do. It, I think it, like, it, it feels very 50s. A little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's just my 2018 talking, but... Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being a housewife. Um, I could be a trophy husband. <laughs> 
But yeah, they kind of keep it as like an innuendo in the song, you know, like you can ring my bell. Like, like I said, it's a kind of a big wink. So yeah, a lot of people interpret this as being about sex. In fact, Billboard magazine included the song on its list of the 50 sexiest songs of all time. Knight, however, said that he deliberately avoided any overly suggestive lyrics, wanting to project like a clean cut image for Ward. Bullshit. I don't think that comes through. I think this Bullshit. is. I think it is almost very explicitly sexual. You hear this? But I like it. Bullshit. But I like it. It's my as, bullshit alarm. I like it as bullshit. just kind of being about anything, you know, like. Yeah, you come home from work, you know, you're tired. I'll put the dishes away, but then we'll like hang out or we could just talk, you know? You ring my bell. Yeah. This, you know what this feels like? This reminds me of whenever Get Lucky by Daft Punk came out and everyone's like, oh, this song's about fucking. And then Pharrell went, no. Well, it wasn't. Get Lucky's not a song about like having sex, I don't think. You know I think when so? he says Get Lucky, I think he means in terms of like, you know reaching like self-actualization like something like we're going to like reach a higher we're gonna get lucky you know something good like just good stuff is gonna happen like we're all we're up all night for good stuff to happen to us i don't think that's what i don't think it's a song about sex it feels bigger than that to me i guess you are not alone i think i think random access memories as a whole is like a concept album about obtaining self-actualization but we'd be uh, we'd be here all day if we talked about that but that's what that defense of this feels like to me a little bit yeah a little bit um Although this feels a little more explicitly sexual than Get Lucky does, I think. Sure. I'll side with you on that a little bit. I'll just throw that onion out there. Unfortunately, I know that that was kind of short, but that was all of what went right. Now it's time to get into what went wrong. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. What went wrong happened right after what went right. Like, basically, we are... It's the end of the five-month chart reign of Ring Right. She didn't really take a long time to release a follow-up to her first album. Mm -mm. Uh... Back in the 70s, it was common to release albums so quickly. So she released another album that same year, titled Sweet Surrender, which featured another minor hit, Don't Drop My Love. But that only peaked at 87 on the U.S. Billboard Mm-mm-mm. 100 chart. Not going to be a two-hit wonder today. No. The album was similar to Songs of Love because it was also disco-infused. They were also going to work on a third disco album, but due to contractual issues between Frederick Knight and Anita Ward, it was canceled after three songs had been recorded. She said, I found out just recently that Frederick, when the things between us got bad in the relationship, he said to my manager, my attorney at the time, that he would work out a deal with me because he had put out an injunction against me where I couldn't sign with anyone else. And he also said that I owed him 500 and something thousand dollars. But he said if I signed with him again, that I would not owe him that money. So yes, I signed a contract, certainly. And the interviewer says, of course. And then she says, right. And I want you to note he actually recorded in his studio about three or four songs, and they were really nice songs, but then he didn't do anything with the songs. He just stopped. Okay. And that was it. So in other words, the contract was null void. Now recently, once again, my husband was checking through the internet. We found out that that stuff is released. Those songs we did, they're released. They put them in albums. In other words, there's about two or three albums, because he's including the things that were from the Ring My Bell album. And he added them, you see. And the interviewer says, that wasn't really nice of him. And she says, no, it's not nice. No, not at all. There's your review. Frederick Knight, not very nice at all. Not nice at all. Sounds like a lot of fuckery going on. I was having a hard time following that quote as you were reading it, but it sounds like like Anita really got a raw deal here. I was getting too into character. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So, disputes with the songwriter Frederick Knight a severe car accident Anita was later in, and the fading appeal of disco music halted Ward's career, and she came to be regarded as a one-hit wonder, the fate she had originally feared. She saw it 
coming. You either, you either <laughs> don't Batman quote. You know? <laughs> you know? And yeah, she had that car accident. That sounds pretty bad. She suffered head injuries that resulted in sinus problems that in turn affected her singing. And she spent the following years after that raising her daughter, getting remarried, and getting back into good health. That sucks, dude. That's a that's just a that's just a life dealing you a shitty hand right there. Yeah, that's, that's a like real bummer. One record label fuckery. Mm-hmm. Two surprise car accident. Like that's the a car accident is so unexpected and just kind of cruel. Yeah, I feel for you, Anita. That's 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 tough. I I, I would probably have also taken a hiatus from music had that happened to me. Poor Anita, she really got the short end of the stick in many ways here. Yeah, you know, sometimes you see stories like this, people are responsible for their own downfalls, like Shannon Hoons we talked about last time, got being into drugs, that ended up being his undoing. As Austin said, he was kind of a highway to hell guy. But here, Anita, she just sounds like she ran into a couple unfortunate incidents. I feel like she came at this very modestly, too. Like, she was never, it was never ego-driven. She didn't even want to record the song that would become her biggest hit. She's really into ballads. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just all very unfortunate. Thankfully, that's the end of what went wrong. And now it's time for what came next. The legacy of Ring My Bell. Let's put all that negativity behind us. Guess what? Snoop Dogg said to Clash Magazine that this was the first record that he ever bought. That's neat. Snoop Dogg. Cool. I'd love to hear a Snoop Dogg and Eat Award collab. He's making a lot of albums these days and she's not. Come on, man. Get her on that payroll. Yeah. Discussion question. What's the first record you ever bought? I think the first record I ever bought um, was Classic Queen, which oh, was cool. a compilation of Queen singles, but not the good ones. Oh, no, the no. ones from like the 80s, like Radio Gaga. What? And it's a kind of magic. Yeah, like the Queen hits that you hear. No, like, we will rock you. Maybe that was like track one or something, <laughs> but like for the most part, it was after that whole period. It was like the weird pop stuff. And it went all the way up to like the show must go on and that kind of stuff. Just the queen stuff that nobody really listens to anymore. No, like another one bites the dust. No killer queen. Maybe Bohemian Rhapsody was on it early on. I I think I must have bought it for Bohemian Rhapsody. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I I think I was like maybe like 11 or something. Wow. That's the first CD you ever bought? Yes. First CD I ever bought was. uh, in Your Honor by Foo Fighters. Okay. Did it end up getting the best of you? It did. The it did. Best. I still... The best. 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 Okay. I have that acapella somewhere. Yikes. Way after the 70s, in the 80s, Anita recorded another album called Wherever There's Love. This album was recorded in the United States, but was only released internationally as it had no U.S. distributor. Now, how the fuck does that happen? Good question. You know, this what? is a neat award. Come on, get on it. <laughs> I mean, I, I get that it that it's been ten years and she hasn't put out a record, but this thing isn't even on Apple Music. I don't know. That's that's a sad fate. She couldn't even retain the rights to that thing. The album was a departure from Ward's disco past, but it still contained mostly fast tempo '80s pop songs. In addition to two ballads, it spawned one single, "Be My Baby," which was released in Australia, but it did not chart there. After both the album and single "Be My Baby" failed to chart, Anita took another hiatus from the music industry, focusing on her family and her daughter, who was born shortly after the release. Fast forward to 2002 on New Year's Eve, she performed Ring My Bell in New York City's Times Square before a crowd of revelers as part of the city's official celebration. And uh, on New Year's Eve 2005, 
she performed on Beale Street in Memphis, Tennessee, singing, guess what, Ring My Bell, and several other disco songs. I'm, I'm glad she doesn't try and pull a blind melon and just yeah. not play it. Yeah. Like, you guys want to hear some ballads? I know you guys came for the ballads. Well, here's the thing. If you were at, say you were at like Times Square, New Year's Eve 2002, and someone was singing Ring My Bell, <laughs> you missed like the first like five, like you missed the first like 30 seconds. Would you recognize this as Anita Ward? Or would you think, oh, this is just somebody covering Ring My Bell? I'm going to give it a 50-50 chance right. of, of, of either. I might now. Before, I yeah. you know, would have no idea. Yeah. Now that I've seen the album cover and looked at it for more than five seconds, yeah. possibly. But also, then, then there's, you know, she's older. She's older. She's aged. Yeah. New Year's Eve mainstay. Get her on your New Year's Eves. Come on. She's doing them. It's not really a New Year's Eve themed song or anything, though, you know? Ring the you ring in the new year is that what the thing is? Because <laughs> it's not like you, you don't year. ring a bell to celebrate the new year. You drop a ball, right? If this was you can drop my ball, that'd be a dirtier song. Though <laughs> you can drop my ball. That sounds like a dirtier song. <laughs> Let's get this all wrapped up. Oh lord! In early 2011, it was announced that Ward was back in the studio working on a brand new album titled "It's My Night." The first single, also titled It's My Night, was released to iTunes on May 20th, 2011. The single is produced by producer Gil Flo. Did you listen to this? I did not listen to this, but I just found it on YouTube. Cool, so let's listen to it. Okay. I like it, but I think that she might have been about 15 that years too late. Yeah. Is that her? Yeah. This is cool. It's cool. I, yeah, I do like this. This would have been a great follow-up single back in like... The 90s. Not even like a couple months later. You think so? Yeah. It's got kind of the same energy, the same heat to it. It would have been a good one-two punch. If they had it with the 70s instrumentation. It's cool. I like it. A plus. A plus. A plus. A plus. Well, I mean, you know, relative. I wouldn't go out of my way to listen to this. (laughs) But I think it would have been a good way to follow up, ring my bell. I think if this was done with the 70s instrumentation... I think this could have been a hit in the 70s. Mm-hmm. With the MIDI instrumentation in 2011, it leaves sure. a little to yeah. be desired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the songwriting is definitely there. Uh, good for you, Anita. You're still holding true to what you love the most. I hope that we can rest easy knowing that she likes that enough to put out herself. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So a bit of a happy ending there. A little bit of a happy ending. Yeah. Uh, now, let's go into the myriad covers and versions of the songs right because i wasn't sure if i was listening to the right one of this song when we were like doing our research there are plenty of re-recordings yeah. of this one by anita herself such as the 98 remix the 2008 re-recording and more there are several different versions of the original single there's an eight minute version that appears on her album on apple music uh which also is not called songs of love it's just retitled to ring my bell it, it, and it, I think it has songs from Songs of Love okay. on it, but it's like a, it's like a reissue album, and it's right. just called Ring My Bell. But you and I both listened to the eight-minute version, man. Yeah, right? I love I, that one. I listened That's to a couple one. other ones, and they were pretty much you know the same song with Pretty slight tweaks much. here and there. Yeah, 
For, yeah. You know, like um, in the later ones, uh, all the instruments don't sound as good. But, no, they uh, but, sound a little bit of a shoddy production. Yeah, work. the production on on all the later ones is bad, but Anita's voice is better on all of them. I think because like I feel like Frederick Knight was probably having her sing a certain way to do this song that she didn't like. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I thought she was using more of her voice and less less of the. It was way more full mm-hmm. in the other re-recordings. But uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince Will Smith himself recorded a rap version of this song in uh, 1991 that made number 20 in the U.S. Did you listen to it? I didn't. I didn't know about this. Can you play it for, for the me first right now? Time- I listened to it. Cool. I'm play it for you right now. I'm looking forward to this. Will Smith has some very interesting things to say. He's about to give you a verbal massage. Yikes. This is the one. Okay. Pretty straightforward reading so far. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a different break. Very 1991. Yeah. yeah. Like that. Yo, baby, you know what's up. Girl, you can call me up. And you and I can talk for hours and hours. 91 bars. So he kind of he kind of repurposed it to be more about talking on the phone, like originally. A little bit. So it's still kind of about sex. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. On purpose, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, he's he's a master of illusion, Will Smith, because, you know, he used to have to avoid swearing in his in his songs because his grandmother didn't want him to. I didn't know that. Yeah, his, his, um, his grandma didn't want to hear him swear, so he decided to only make clean records. Wow. That's what, uh, that's what that one Eminem lyric is about. Will Smith doesn't have to curse in his raps to sell records. Well, I do, so fuck him <laughs> and fuck you too. <laughs> that is a good Eminem lyric. Yeah. That's that cover. That was all right. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's pretty firmly yep. all right. Yeah. Uh, it's good good for about one listen. Here's a remix by uh, another one-hit wonder, uh, Lunas. They scored a hit with I Got Five on it that okay. we're going to talk about in a later episode of the show. Um, this is their take on Ring My Bell. Slower. It's like chopped and screwed. A little bit. The 90s hip hop remix. Yeah. Damn, what's up? It's me, I'm tired of no good people popping up on the scene. I'm talking about them buy no bros. Don't buy no hands, don't buy no liquor. Smoke your whole bundle type wine, no folks. Be showing up at your door. It's, it's, not, it's not really conceptually following no. the thread. It's really like a sample, kind of, right? Yeah, it's kind of, it's a sample, yeah. and they kept the name. I can't help that there, bruh. I got problems of my own. What you all in my hair for? I can't help you with the pain you got, but I'm going to tell you one more time. Oh, they changed it to Do Not Ring My Bell. Gotcha. Do Not Ring My Bell. Do Not Ring My Bell. Got it. Okay. I like it. I like it. Lunas may only have one hit, but they have more than one banger. 
Here's an interesting one I found on Apple Music. It's on a record called Bossa and Disco. It's mm-hmm. kind of a Bossa Nova remix of this song and other disco hits. Kind of interesting. Very bossa nova. Yeah. It's got those two chords. Yeah. And it moves that way. Yeah. I'm glad you're home. Well, did you really miss me? I guess. This works pretty well. Right? Yeah. Like, surprisingly. It's a, it's like a very, it's kind of like a secret bossa nova song. Yeah. I mean, if you put those two chords on on almost anything, it'll turn into a boss. But I mean, in terms of mood, too, you know what I mean? True. True. I feel like the chorus falls a little short. I like this, actually. Cool. All right, I'm a fan. Cool. The bossa and disco version of Ring My Bell featuring Monique by the like Bossa Art Ensemble. Cool, cool. The last one I found that I thought was interesting was called Ring My Bell Latin Version. I'm going to play that for you. A little faster. long as it's got the... You know what it is. It's way faster. One, two, three, four. Not really feeling this one. No. Yeah, not doing anything for me. Do the vocals come in? Yeah. All right. Still soulless, you know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Nah. Not digging this one. Nah. No. It sounds, it sounds kind of like... It's a little thrown together. A little bit. Yeah. Would it have been cool in 2001? No. How about 1994? No. I'm, I don't know. Not anyway. <laughs> it's like they stripped out all the original instrumentation and just kind of put a generic backbeat behind it. Pretty much. Yeah. Ring my bell Latin version. Thumbs down from Trevor. <laughs> Let's talk about stuff we do like, though, and uh, give out our attributes that we always prepare attributes. for this one, right? The end of every episode, we give attributes to each song on scales that we create and stick to for the episode. I'm going to do mine first. because uh, You usually do. I, I always do, uh, because Trevor likes to make his a surprise. Uh, 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 go away. Yeah, there it is. I'm rating mine on uh, a scale that is... It's a numeric scale, just so we can be specific, but I also gave everything a volume. Sure. So I give the lyrics a two, because I don't like them that much. I think especially the put away the dishes lyric. Right. Kind of reeks of gender. Uh, I give it a two, which is pretty soft. It's a pretty soft two from me. Uh, I give the groove an eight, which is loud. It's a loud eight from me. Okay. The groove. All right. I give the harmonies a ten. Which is loud as fuck. Gotcha. That's loud as fuck. Ten. Your scale doesn't go to eleven. <laughs> I guess I kind of missed the dunk on that one. Oh well, can't have them all. I give this um, how sexy this is in 2018. Um, 
a medium soft four. Okay. Medium yeah. soft. Medium, medium soft. soft. How about yours, Trevor? I'm a big fan of homophones, which are um, two words that are completely different from each other, but sound exactly the same. Of course. Like male man, as in like male the gender, like male man and mailman, mm-hmm. as in someone who delivers your mail. Yes. Okay. So I realized that Anita Ward is a homophone uh, for a neat award. <laughs> So you're going to give some neat awards. I'm going to give out some neat awards. So this is out of five, okay? So I'm going to give the show-stealing backing vocals three out of five neat awards. I'm going to give the concept of helping your partner relax after a long day at work four neat awards. Four neat awards. I'm going to give putting away the dishes three neat awards because it's kind of boring, but it's also cool that they're being responsible and taking, care of their, yeah. and taking care of their chores before, you know, like sexy time. Of course. And I'm going to give innuendos five neat awards. Five I'm a big neat fan of those. awards. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what's the neat award total? How many neat awards did you just give out? A neat award just racked up 15 neat awards. 15 neat awards for a neat award. That's a record. After today, she won't need awards. No, no. Hey, everyone! That's episode three of One Hit Wonders of the World. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody can find us at uh, One Hit Wondercast on Twitter. That's at the number one Hit Wondercast. With the numeral one out front. Right, right, right. I want you to reach out with your impassioned emails and audio recordings uh, to onehitwondercast at gmail.com, all spelled out. And if you do that, we're going to splice in your recordings at the beginning of the show whenever we talk about how we feel about the one-hit wonder. Get them in, get them in, because next week is New Radicals. You get what you give. And we'll see what we get then. I hope it's at least what we give, because I give a lot. And I've been trying to give a little more. I've been Trevor Ickrath. And I've been Max G. And until next week, stay wonderful.